Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing this weekend? Ah, good morning, Jason. It's good doing, to see you, Bill. Doing pretty good. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's always, always nice to be here. And uh, hopefully we'll have a message that's important to folks this, today. Um, anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's really nice to think about the fact that we're in the weekend preparations before Thanksgiving. That's right. And I, I must say that Thanksgiving is my favorite, favorite holiday, favorite time of year, because it's all about families and getting together with no expectations whatsoever other than fabulous food. <laughs> <laughs> That's the <laughs> best expectation. That's right. Of wonderful food and some decoration and that sort of thing, but no expectations about gifts or things like that. So, you know, Thanksgiving is just a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, and it's nice to have a long weekend, too. It is, and it's it's hard to be upset when you've got a spread like that, and uh, everyone's got full bellies. You know, it's yep. it's see, an easy all, time to be happy. All the old family recipes come out for Thanksgiving. That's right. <laughs> that's really important, you know. That, it it is really important. Yep. And so. and speaking of families, Bill, we've got a, an important topic that we want to lead off with today, and that's the cost of caregiving. You know, this is something that families deal with often. Well, yes, you're exactly right. And of course, um, truthfully, my focus on what I want to talk about today is not so much cost as sacrifice. And, you know, cost is important to families. uh, And that's something that um, we focus on in my law office. In fact, that's what we're known for is basically helping people get financial assistance when they have long-term care issues and protecting their assets at the same time, uh, which is extremely important to folks because nobody can afford long-term care. Uh, uh, It's the kind of thing that comes unexpectedly. I mean, it's um, even though the percentage is extraordinarily high in terms of uh, the fact that uh, anyone who has reached the wonderful age of 65 and you go on Medicare, um, the fact is is that as a percentage, half of us who reach 65 in good health are will have a long-term care crisis. And long-term care crisis basically uh, tends to mean the equivalent of three years in a nursing home. And of course, right now, the Average cost of nursing home in this area is about $7,500 a month, which uh, how many of us have that kind of money in retirement? We have fixed incomes, um, and that's so it's sort of like, well, where's that money going to come from? And uh, so that's what we do at, at our law office, uh, W.G. Alexander and Associates. We help folks with those issues. And the truth is, is that the sooner people come to us, the more we can save. Um, and, you know, even though I preach this every, every time we have a seminar every month, and of course it was, we were blessed to have a wonderful seminar series this past uh, Wednesday, um, it is the fact that, that there are very, very few seniors who have the right documents in place to, to head into aging. 
um, most seniors will say, hey, I've got a power of attorney and I've got a will, I'm fine. But the truth is that's not true because there are very few folks who have had their documents prepared by an elder law attorney who's good at what they do. And uh, most attorneys, even estate planners, are not elder law attorneys who understand the issues going into um, getting older. Um, and that's what we do. I mean, well, I mean, we also do a lot of estate planning. We do a lot of revocable trusts and irrevocable trusts for families and special needs planning and all sorts of stuff. But um, the, if I could just get folks to understand that they need different documents when they get older uh, and they need those old documents that they've had for 20 years uh, to be totally revised and uh, taken care of because having the right documents at the right time saves a huge amount of money to families. And that's when folks have a long-term care crisis. That's what they worry about. And, and guess what? It's not just about one person. It oftentimes is about at least two people. And that is, what I'm saying is, you have a person who's sick, and typically you have a spouse who ends up being the caregiver. And most families, and here's the huge mistake, most families only focus on one of the two and that is the person who needs the care. What do we have to do? How much? How, or are we doing too much? Are we doing too little? What do we do, and who does it? Well, guess who gets to do it? It's almost always the spouse who has to do it. And, and what is the spouse's biggest concern normally, other than the fact that it's a labor of love to take care of their spouse? It's, oh my God, are we going to run out of money during my lifetime? Because all of our savings are going to take care of my spouse. Well, that's a huge issue, and that's, that, quite frankly, is the reason folks need to come to see us early so that we can help them early and then help them later on when things get worse. I mean, that's what it's all about. But this morning, I want to focus on some of the issues relating to the caregiver because one of the things that I want families to know is that there needs to be as much focus on the caregiver as the person needing care. And that's where most families, I mean, there are a lot of issues with how do we do the care, uh, and we can talk about that as well. But the, the truth is, is the forgotten spouse is the caregiver, and that's where I want to talk about this morning. Excellent. That's a very important subject, as you mentioned, and uh, can lead to a lot of problems as, as a caregiver if you get burnt out and you don't have the support that you need. But we'll go over that in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. are 
are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com, a great place to connect with Bill. Maybe you need to schedule an appointment with him. You can also call the office at 919 256 7,000. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're on a very important subject, and that's of the, uh, the sacrifice of caregiving. And mm-hmm. you were just talking about how um, families tend to focus more on the care receiver, but it's critical that we don't overlook the caregiver. No, no question about it. And before I get to that, I want to uh, go back to an issue that I've talked about many times before. And unfortunately, For all of us, you have to repeat things uh, frequently because sometimes people have their antenna up and sometimes people don't. (laughs) So, But one of the biggest issues uh, with aging, uh, particularly for children and others who are observing it, is we don't know what we don't know you know if it's it's for me it's been as my my brother has suffered from different issues uh i I didn't know what congestive heart failure looked like until i realized my brother had it and you know i was a couple weeks too late on on that even though we got him to the hospital and those kind of things it's like what you know some symptoms you know Uh, You know, you typically know the symptoms of a stroke and uh, symptoms of a heart attack, but there are a lot of other things that can go on uh, in your life. And, of course, if you don't know the symptoms of a stroke and you don't know the symptoms of a heart attack, you better start learning. (laughs) But but the bottom line is, is that we don't know what we don't know. And one of the biggest issues for families is how much care does mom or dad need or how little care do they need? Because mom and dad want to stay independent. They want to stay in control. They won't, don't want to give it up, and you can't blame them for that. I mean, that's where we're going to be when we get there too. So, And the problem is, is that so many folks are misled by knee-jerk comments made by medical professionals who, who really don't know the circumstances well. I was just talking to a client this past week, and um, a parent, and, and basically the, um, the doctor's office, the nurse really said, well, your, your dad needs 24-7 care. Okay, and he, he does have a short-term memory issue, and he does have some mobility issues with risks of falling. But the problem is, is that the medical professionals tend to spend very little time with you. They make quick decisions or quick analysis, if you will. And oftentimes, they're just plain wrong in terms of how much or how little is needed. Now, right up until the last couple months, Dad was living alone by himself in his home, thriving fairly well. Now, I'd be the first to say that dad probably needed more than what he was getting at that point in time, okay? Um, and But guess what? Child, children did not, you know, recognize the fact that dad actually needed some assistance that he wasn't getting. Now, because of a medical professional saying, oh, he needs 24-7, they're getting ready to probably do too much for the dad, you know. And dad doesn't want to be confined 
to a nursing home or assisted living if he doesn't have to be or or arbitrarily put in dementia care just because he has some short-term memory issues. And I say that because my brother, he has short-term memory issues, uh, has had them for years, but he thrives in an independent living situation. Now, he has a lot of care at this point that's added on to it, but he has and what his care costs are less than assisted living care costs and he has what he perceives as far more independence than what you would have in assisted living and he's certainly not in a dementia care unit so the bottom line is we don't know what we don't know so how do you figure that out when you don't know that stuff well most of us don't know it and i've as i've said before this is when you reach out to an independent life care manager. Now, for folks, write that down. Independent life care manager. There is an association of independent life care managers. Now, I'm not talking about a social worker um, or uh, someone who works for a home care agency you know they're free and it's nice to have free but the problem is is that even though they are quote professional they're less objective than an independent person who's not tied into a home care agency or or tied into an assisted living home or the like and so when when you get medical advice don't you want to have someone who knows what they're talking about and someone who's objective about it who's who's basically on your side rather than the side of a home care agency or an assisted living home or a nursing home. Well, objectivity means a heck of a lot. So, yes, that's where you go. Now, these folks used to be called geriatric care managers, but now they've rebranded and they're now independent life care managers. And the other nice thing that a lot of folks don't know is that if you have an independent life care manager – they can be your advocate in the hospital. They can be your advocate when you're in rehab. And they make far better advocates than lawyers, and they make far better advocates uh, uh, than, um, than family members, unless the family members have um, you know, an expertise in that kind of care, which, I mean, how many of us have that? I mean, I have expertise in the financial issues and the legal issues, but when it comes to advocating, knowing the rules and knowing hospital speak and doctor speak and where the doctors really don't even know how to fill out the right forms at the right time uh, frequently, uh, it's important. Uh, now, how much do they cost? Life care managers cost in this area uh, about 100 to $125 an hour. But that actually, when you think about the cost of health care, that can be the most important money you spend. Uh, and it's well worth it because don't you really want to know if you're doing enough or you're not doing enough? Or if there are things that you can do in your home to make it a safe environment. And some of the things that are recommended, it's just blown my mind how you know, no-brainer it is and how inexpensive it can be. But unless somebody tells you about it and that kind of thing, how would you know? So, Because we don't know what we don't know. I guess I've said that so many times, but it's, it's so important to have folks who can give you objective advice 
about these kind of issues. Now, I've, I've said my piece as it relates to that, and so I know we have to take another quick break, but at the same time, I want to come back and talk about that issue that is so important, and that is the sacrifice, the cost in non-dollar um, uh, focus on the folks who are giving uh, care. Excellent. Look forward to that. Stick around. We'll get to it. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Saturday morning. We are talking all about caregiving and uh, we've covered uh, plenty of different things, Bill. We've covered uh, uh, briefly the the cost of caregiving, and we got into the role of independent care managers, and now we're going to move on to the topic of the sacrifice of caregiving. Well, absolutely. And and anyone who's been a caregiver knows that there's two things about it that are really, really important uh, for others to understand. Number one, it is a lot of work. It is very stressful work. And um, possibly the hardest part of it is that it results in a ball and chain. In other words, I can't go be with my friends. I can't go to the garden club. I can't go to my bridge club. I can't go to the book club. I can't go to church. I can't do this because I have to be here so that I have a safe environment for my loved one. And it's a labor of love, no question. However, it comes with a ton of stress that bills over time. It's, it's like a lot of other things that we do. Doing it once for a few hours, no big deal, okay? But if you're doing it on and 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 on, it becomes extremely stressful. And then there's the secondary part of it, which is why so many spouses never take a break. You know what you know why they do that? Why is that? It's real simple. They're worried about running out of money. It's like, oh, I know I need to take a break, but I can't because it may cost me $900 to take a break, and that's $900 out of my pocket uh, when my spouse dies for my ability to live a good life after he's gone. And so as a result of that dynamic – guess what? They don't take that break. And, and then they, it, well, here's the problem. Does, and I'll let you a- answer the question. Does stress re- relate to getting sick? Oh, yes. Well, guess what? If the caregiver doesn't take a break and relieve some of that stress, are they as productive? No. Well, there you go. You're not as productive. You can't do as a good job. You're much more likely to be angry at your spouse. You're, uh, it results in all sorts of bad things. There's nothing good that comes from it. 
you know, there's been lots and lots of studies that employees are more productive when they take a vacation. Why? It relieves all that stress. It, it basically gives them downtime. It gives them breathing room so that they can come back and do a much more productive, a better job, be more creative, and all of that good stuff. Well, the same thing's true with caregiving. It's, um, the bottom line is, as you provide care, particularly if you don't have any uh, support from children or siblings or other people, guess what? You feel isolated. You feel depressed. You're stressed. You're far more likely to get sick yourself. And like I said, it's going to oftentimes uh, result in clinical depression uh, where you're just angry all the time uh, and you lash out. I mean, it's and all of all of those results are horrible. So guess what? What's the solution? Take a break. You know, even if it, it it will, even if it costs you money to take a break, and there are different ways of taking a break. I mean, for instance, adult daycare. You know, and and I've heard spouses say, "Well, my my husband or my wife won't go. They just aren't going to cooperate." But the bottom line is, if it's asked right, you know, it's not about the person needing care. It's about you as the caregiver. Needing a break. Well, that's an easy way to get hours during the day where you're not stuck at home so that you can go to the grocery store. You can um, get out and and go to church. You can go to um, activities that you enjoy because that's what you need as a caregiver. And then you also need what's called respite. And there are uh, assisted living homes and uh, and independent. A lot of folks don't realize that a number of the independent living communities also offer uh, accommodations so that caregivers can can do respite. And respite means getting out of town. That means taking a cruise with a friend or going to the beach for the weekend. Uh, but you got. You got to do this not just once a year, but you really need at least some respite, um, uh, you know, two, three, four times a year uh, where you can just get away, get the stress out, get some relief, enjoy yourself, be yourself. Um, That is so important. It makes all the difference in the world. Now, I know we have to take another break. But there are some other issues that I want to talk about as well that I see all the time, and that is what happens when you actually lose your loved one. Um, You you know, what's the next step? And um, that's so important because oftentimes people, uh, in essence, give their heart and soul to the caregiving and then when they lose their loved one, they're lost. And so it's sort of like, okay, what are some of the things that you should think about at that point in time? 
Yeah, and that's key, and I'm very glad that we're going to address that because when you're in that role as a caregiver, you're just you're absolutely consumed by it, and a lot of times you're just kind of living in the moment, and it's hard to get ahead and to think forward and to plan, and I'm glad we're going to discuss that. So stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you want to find more about Bill or get in contact with him and WG Alexander and Associates, you can go to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking all about caregiving, Bill. And uh, we were just about to get into another important topic, and that's that's what happens when the caregiving stops. Exactly. You're uh, and, and it's not always about a spouse, but most of the time what I'm going to talk about actually has to do with a, a spouse um, who's been a caregiver for a number of years and then loses their spouse. But it can – you know, the same thing can be true for a child who basically has moved in uh, and, and um, it's just the, the child and the parent being, you know, alone – and then they lose the parent. It's the same issue, if you will, but uh, for a lot of them. Uh, but uh, but it's focused primarily on spouse to spouse. You lose your spouse, and of course, this can also be true when you lose your spouse, and it's a shock. You know, you haven't been the care. Well, you've been you know caregiving in different ways, but not in the sense that they need long term care. But anytime you lose a spouse, it's difficult. I mean, it doesn't matter how you um, how you turn the corner. It, it's, it is a difficult time. So now, the most important advice anybody can give you at that point in time, because there are things that need to be done, but the bottom line is, is that the first thing is not to make any major decisions for the first six months to a year. And everybody's a little bit different in terms of how long it takes you to just recover from the initial shock. But most people, there are very few people, particularly seniors, when they lose their spouse, um, that really don't go through a, a, a period of adjustment that's extraordinarily difficult. Uh, and so not making any significant financial or legal decisions uh, can be real important. Same thing's true about should I move, should I downsize, should I do this, should I do that. Um, again, uh, oftentimes it's, it's best if you just let – you just chill out for at least – Six months. Now, there may be some folks that can deal with it in three months and move on, but that's not generally the case. Typically, it's six months to a year before you're really in a mindset to make any kind of major decision. Moving is a major decision, <laughs> okay? Um, now, there are typically – uh, one of the things that can be very difficult is that one spouse really um, doesn't have 
all of the financial information. You know, the the other spouse was doing everything, paying all the bills, doing all the investing. So um, taking time to find the right financial advisor can be, you know, not just taking the first one or taking any of their advice when it comes to purchasing annuities or uh, taking on risky investments or anything along those lines because – you know, the the fact of the matter is, is that that's a process rather than, or it should be a process. Most seniors need to look at their documents again. How do I need to change uh, who my agent is? Because oftentimes your spouse is your primary agent. And sometimes those who you've chosen as your alternate or successor agents need to be changed for one reason or another. It may be that one child has moved away, another child has moved close by and, and is, is around more often. It may be that one child is trustworthy and you found that another child is not truly trustworthy. And just because somebody is close to you geographically or even lives with you doesn't necessarily mean they are the right person to control your property and your decisions. So there are a lot of decisions where having some good professional help to help you make those decisions and changing your legal documents at that point in time uh, can be extremely helpful. So uh, you've, you've got uh, – and then, of course, another biggie is do I stay at home? Well, let's talk about that. Because the fact of the matter is, what's the knee-jerk reaction? I want to stay home. I want to stay home. I don't want to move. I want to be right here. Jason, why do you think most people feel that way? Oh, it's comfort. It's there where you, you've been. Exactly. Do we like change? No. Well, there you go. That's part of it. Change is difficult for folks, even though it makes good sense. And oftentimes, at least in my experience, particularly for those who've done caregiving for a long time and, they're, and, and they're, they truly are up there in age, once they lose their spouse, there are several things that kick in, all of which are bad, okay? The first thing is you're now alone, whereas you had a companion. The companionship may not have been what you needed or wanted, but you at least had some companionship at that point. And you typically have at least some friends or families who would drop by on a regular basis to make sure that your spouse was okay and that you were okay to some lesser degree. But now that he or she is gone, typically the folks don't stop by anymore or much in much less frequently. And the bottom line is that you're alone and you're lonely. Uh, you know, now there's there are some folks who like to be alone. But most of us aren't that way. Most of us like seeing friends. We enjoy our family. We want to be around them. We enjoy things together. So the first thing is we're alone. Secondly, oftentimes loneliness leads to depression. And depression can be mild or it can be severe. But depression is never good. 
because that really messes your mind up in serious ways where you can be be had been a a wonderful likable person and the depression just makes you mean as a snake and so it's uh and guess what you know what i've experienced is that folks with depression don't know it in other words they don't know they're depressed you know they know they feel bad they don't they know they don't sleep well they know those kind of things but would they think hey i'm depressed i better go see a doctor no that doesn't happen you don't know what you don't know <laughs> okay so and guess what uh, do you think uh, you know sometimes um your spouse was the primary person who prepared meals um, and now that you're lonely and depressed, do you eat as much? No. no. Do you prepare meals for yourself? Yeah, no, not really. So typically, guess what happens when now that you're alone? Do you think you have a decent diet? No. Of course not. So your diet goes down the tubes, and do you think your health might be related to your diet in some way? I'd say there's probably a correlation. There. Okay. Well, see, there you go. So uh, the bottom line is is that oftentimes for folks who live alone, their diet suffers big, big time. And so uh, now let's say that you're alone and you have what a lot, at least 10% of the folks who are in their late 70s or early 80s experience. You know what that is? What's that? It's – dementia and now it typically is a very uh, um, mild form or early dementia but one of the the and and it's hard sometimes to to recognize whether it's actually uh, mild dementia or if it's just uh, getting older because typically when you get it close to age 80 your brain slows down. That's natural. That's not dementia, you know. So if you become a little more forgetful, um, and all of us are forgetful. I mean, how many times have you walked into another room, and, and, and I don't care whether you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and you're going, why did I come in this room? <laughs> I know there was a reason I came in this room. <laughs> and so the bottom line is that's normal. It's not that we're sick or that anything's going bad. But sometimes it is related uh, to mild dementia, early stages of dementia or Alzheimer's or the like, but oftentimes it's not. Our brain slows down. Our eyes typically are worse as we get older than they were when we were younger. Uh, our hearing sometimes is not what it used to be. That's particularly true for men. Just ask any wife out there whether their husband hears them. Uh, <laughs> and and sometimes it's selective hearing, and sometimes it's true hearing loss. So, um, you know, particularly for those uh, men who've worked around heavy machinery or were served in the military, you know, I don't know any veteran who doesn't have hearing loss, including myself. I mean, I you know, it's it's the kind of thing where I have an excuse when my wife says that she <laughs> that I don't hear her. So. It's not a very good one, but yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that gets you far. <laughs> but you understand. So uh, the but the bottom line is is that um, uh, for those folks who don't remember things quite as well, there are several things. Number one, if we stay alone, 
we are far more likely to be taken advantage of. Those are the, the folks that the scammers actually focus on. Uh, those are the ones that they really go after uh, because, um, uh, you, you know, most of these folks own their own home. They have money in the bank. And so the, – and, and guess what? They've been on a fixed income. Uh, and if there's long-term care issues, they've lost a lot of money typically uh, to the long-term care expenses that they certainly never planned for. Um, and guess what? They Scammers prey on the fact that people would like to have more money. Um, and that's how they actually find a way uh, to scam people. And if your mind is not as quick and sharp to say, hey, this is a scam, hang up, um, you could very well fall into uh, a scam. And, and so seniors are, are, even though all of us at any age are susceptible to scams, seniors are the ones that scammers focus on and the ones who are the m- most susceptible to scams. And so, again, this is something that folks need to, to consider. And, of course, we've talked in other shows about uh, how to avoid scams, you know, by freezing your credit and monitoring your accounts and, uh, you know, not taking uh, robocalls and things like that. Um, uh, but, you know, obviously that's that was for another show. Uh, and, and so... <clears throat> the the big issue is I want to stay at home, and the, what I would I would really hope that people would take a different mindset as they get older. Now I'm not talking about folks in their 60s. I'm not talking about early 70s. But as you reach mid 70s, late 70s, uh, or early 80s, particularly if you're, uh, I mean, even if you're in excellent health, unless you have a very active lifestyle, you know, where you're out meeting friends, you're going to church, you're, you're uh, going to social clubs, uh, in other words, your, your lifestyle is still very active and very good, great. But at some point, if you've you've taken your bucket list is over, you've taken your trips, you don't want to travel anymore, and you're a couch potato, <laughs> then you might want to think there's a better lifestyle. And that's why I'm a real advocate for independent living, because what it gives you for those folks who can afford it, and, and we have lots of options in this area that are very, very affordable where you don't have to pay a bunch of money to go in. A lot of folks think you have to pay a lot to go in, but we have lots of places here where it's just a monthly rental uh, that's very reasonable, and, and they prepare all your meals for you, and they clean up your apartment and change your bed for you and give you fresh uh, towels every week and 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 most of the independent living places can you can also add uh, uh, some care to it. So let's say you have mild dementia, uh, your short-term memory is not great, but hey, they an independent living uh, gives you several things. It gives you um, a twenty-four-seven protected environment. 
and you have lots of other folks who live around you, and typically you form friendships that they check on you regularly, and you check on them regularly. It doesn't cost you anything to check on your friends, and uh, people see you every day. Uh, so you get your meals, which is really important. But let's say that you might forget your medication, uh, in, particularly in the morning. And so the bottom line is you can pay someone to come around in the morning and make sure you get your medication. And it's very inexpensive, and you're still independent, and you don't have um, the the uh, situation that you would have with an assisted living or nursing care or dementia care unit situation because families need to try to find a way to give – the safety that folks need, but at the same time, don't knee-jerk assume that somebody's got to have assisted living, got to have nursing home when you can find a more independent way. And guess what everybody wants as they grow older? They want to be as independent as possible staying in control of their affairs. Now, at some point, folks oftentimes do give up. I don't want to manage my money anymore. I want one of my trusted children to pay my bills and make sure everything's taken care of. And that's a healthy thing, too. Um, but if, the, if they have the right child doing it anyway, uh, and that's an important decision to make. But the bottom line is, is that uh, many seniors, both men and women, uh, fare so much better when they basically move out of their lonely house and go into an independent living community where you're, you have socialization and you have activities that you can participate in um, and the like. And certainly you don't want to go in there too soon, but you don't want to go in there too late. It's all about finding the right fit for every individual. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, you've got a parting shot for us. I do. Well, I'm very fortunate. I have a great medical clinic. I go to Raleigh Medical Group, um, Dr. Bill Jacobs. He's a wonderful physician and he has a fabulous assistant, Liz. And she put me on to something that I didn't realize because I. I uh, but the bottom line is when your prescription, you all of us need to check out what's called Good RX, and there are a number of pharmacy providers for that, and Walmart is probably the biggest one. And I'm, you know, as the thing about it is, is that there are an awful lot of drugs that you can get from Good RX less expensively uh, without insurance than you can from a regular pharmacy with insurance. And just as an example, I've had two for myself where the pharmacy was charging me $80 a pill for um, with insurance. And GoodRx sells 30 of the same pills for $116. I have another one where I was paying $90 for for 90 pills. 
GoodRx sells the same prescription for $16 for 90 pills. So it's like, dang, I've been missing out for years because I didn't know what I didn't know. (laughs) Okay. So the bottom line is the advice on prescription is check out the prices on GoodRx for all your medications, and you may very well find it's cheaper to go there than your normal pharmacy. Yeah, and that could be a huge amount of savings as you experienced, Bill. Well, we are out of time for today. I want to thank you so much for listening to us. I want to remind you that you can pick up Bill's book off of Amazon. That book is Money Secrets with Bill and Mike. Again, that's on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great weekend.